so I'm hype. I'm extremely hype for what Nintendo's been doing. We got the uh, we got the big leak that the Chrono Trigger was supposed to be remastered, and then they announced Super Mario RPG. Oh, really? I didn't actually see that. The, the, the Chrono Trigger thing specifically. Yeah, they the leak guy when it like didn't happen at the Nintendo like announcement event was like, hold on, because mm-hmm. it's still happening. And he's like been right about leaks before. Okay. So I think he might be right about this one. But the thing is, like, now they're doing F099. Have you taken a look at that yet? I yeah, I I uh haven't played against humans yet. I was like trying out the like tutorial mode. And it seems fun. It's I've never really played F Zero, so I was really bad at it. Like I did not the the like how you slide around and when you're supposed to boost. I like blew my car up a couple times, but mm-hmm. it seems really fun. And it's a great concept for like a 99 player online like deathmatch thing to just be a race where you can blow up. Yeah, I'm a big fan of F Zero. I played a ton of it when I was a kid. Like that was one of the cartridges that we owned. I think we only had like uh-huh. seven or eight games, and the rest of it was just like go into the local movie store to rent stuff. So I got a lot of fucking hours in on F-Zero. I can, I can hum along to every song on the OST, no problem. Um, yeah, I hadn't heard that about the um, Chrono Trigger remake. And it seems like there's definitely, like, there's, there's stuff that doesn't leak that takes people totally by surprise with Nintendo, like uh, Metroid Dread coming out. Stuff like that where a game is just, like, kept secret. But there's definitely been stuff, like, I, I feel like I remember the Mario, like, anniversary thing where it was, like, 64 Sunshine and Galaxy in a bundle. Mm-hmm was like that exact thing was leaked beforehand. And there's there's enough leaks that are like that where it's like it's pretty it's pretty accurate or it's like dead on accurate that it's like I think not everything leaks. Like some stuff they can keep under wraps and keep under NDA or whatever. But some stuff like the basic concept of it is out there enough that people can like know it's coming. So I definitely would buy that uh, a Chrono Trigger. It's supposed to be like a full like remaster for yeah. Switch in the same way as like the Mario RPG is going to be. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a 2D, 3D remake style kind of deal. Oh, nice. Yeah, kind of like Octopath Traveler and all those games. It it, it makes sense because, especially, because I feel like this Nintendo Direct, it was like, there's all the rumors that there's like a Switch 2 being shown to developers, and those seem pretty substantiated. Like there's specifics about how they showed people the uh, Matrix Unreal demo running on it or whatever. Um it it feels like this is the last year of the Switch's life. Just when you look at the releases, where they're like, we have one more Mario game, and then we have like some ports, some remasters. Like this is the kind of stuff they do when like a console's life is ending. Is they're not trying to put out like flagship series games on it. Really, they're just like mm-hmm. porting stuff. They're like re-releasing stuff. They're remastering stuff. They're putting out like weird games just to kind of like give it releases. And they're doing bundles. They're doing like a new, like they're like more like Switch bundles where it's like get Mario Wonder and a new red Switch. There's like Mario Kart bundle. It all feels like they're trying to like ship out as many Switches as they can as people get ready to just buy the next one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I saw somebody sharing around the the Switch 2 online and I'm sure it's not an actual photo of what it's going to look like. But it was like very pathetically like exactly the same as the fucking Switch. (laughs) And knowing Nintendo like, that's one of two things they might do. Like the Switch was so successful after the Wii U, they might just basically make it again, but slightly better. And they also mm-hmm. might just like come out with something totally out of left field, like they did with the Wii. But it's I'm curious, like mm-hmm. Nintendo and Square both are notorious for like taking projects that are supposed to be for one platform and being like, actually, can you make this for the next platform? instead so (laughs) you're kind of giving me the idea that maybe that chrono trigger remake is actually going to come out on the switch 2 oh that could be i could see that um the funny i'm just googling switch 2 and seeing what what you get you got like some soy facing youtube thumbnails you got like like you said a very similar but slightly different switch my favorite is when they just add a screen on top and they're like what about the switch 2ds (laughs) double screens (laughs) which would be cool i mean having two screens is cool but i just feel like when they're like the screens are as big as a switch screen, then it's going to cost like $400 to have mm-hmm. two. And it's harder to like justify. Are they going to make stylus games? I don't know. Well, like Nintendo has a real mixed record with trying to come up with ways to interact with a video game that are not the standard way. Like the DS is a great example of one that worked, but like to a limited degree, like the DS, a lot of games yeah. on the DS, you kind of don't use the touchscreen. It's just like where your map lives or whatever, which is good for a handheld. Uh-huh. But like 
you know, going all the way back to the power glove, like they were trying to come up with peripherals for a long time that were just kind of like misguided <laughs> until they really figured it out <laughs> with the Nintendo uh, Wii. Yeah, the the power glove is like a, that had a pretty insane development because I feel like it, it was like I think the original concept was more of just like a fun accessory kind of like like not really something that's actually used for playing games mm-hmm. and then they were like they were giving all these like really like lofty goals of like how it should work in ways that were like basically science fiction at the time i think like i think they were thinking they could put it out and it would be like you could move your hand around and somehow that would be like translating into 3d space in their 2d game like i don't like that that thing seemed like it had a really weird uh like development cycle and like i don't think it actually did that much when it came out uh so yeah that's a good example where it's like they are they're always having cool ideas they're incredible at like coming up with concepts that it's like if this could work exactly as we're envisioning it that'd be really cool and a lot of people in the industry are like but how are you envisioning it like i think a lot of developers are just like two screens and a stylus and like what what is it there's like a thing a microphone you can talk into like (laughs) but it's a little game boy like what am i supposed to make on this and they're like come on come up with something we came up with like 10 things yeah come up with something we had the people who thought of this thing know exactly what we want to use it for why the fuck don't you (laughs) yeah talking about coming up with extremely good ideas uh welcome to vp Pletus, everybody your number one shark tank idea generating podcast uh <laughs> we are your sharks john and chris um mm-hmm. and uh we want to talk about another shark who's come up with an extremely brilliant idea we all knew this one was coming for a little while but elon musk has recently announced uh that he wants to start charging users a very very small fee to post on Twitter saying that this is the only way to combat bots. And I got to, you know, <laughs> I, I have a lot of complaints about this, but first off, people who have bot armies already pay for them. That is a good point. Yeah. That <laughs> seems like the perfect way. If like, if you have to pay to be on there, wouldn't it be nothing but bots? Like there's some mm-hmm. cost involved, like unless you're running the bot off your own computer or like programming it yourself you're paying some money for it. I feel like sometimes the the bot or like manipulation accounts, like now that you can basically pay for a blue check to like boost your engagement on the site and like be seen more and then also like make ad revenue possibly. I don't actually know if that's a scam or not. Mm-hmm. It feels like no one's actually made more than like 20 bucks. I mean, I've seen a bunch of people post their receipts and it's incredibly like weighted by ideology. That's one of the most like transparent areas where you can really see like what, yeah. what, Elon is doing with the website, which is like if you're a communist and you subscribe for some fucking reason and you post a bunch of banger posts, like, yeah, you'll make like $35. But then, like, if mm-hmm. you are just like some, you know, uh, NAFO Slava Ukraini uh, Pepe account that retweets, yeah. uh, you know, Zelensky nine times a day and, and, you know, uh, quote tweets communists with, uh, with, uh, helicopter memes then yeah you make like fucking four hundred dollars a month for posting to your 600 followers yeah it, it it's definitely like very very ideologically slanted and then wasn't there also like a a thing that he he wanted to roll out like a crypto currency to mm-hmm. use to pay people so i feel like he clearly really quickly wants to get away from like giving people actual money because it's like like depending on like i don't actually know how many people they're even paying out but there's no way that like the amount of ad revenue they're getting from like a random post is anything worth like paying someone even like a dollar for that mm-hmm. post. Just cause it's like, if that was the case, there's so many people posting the whole way that they make money is like a huge volume of traffic that no one is getting paid for other than, you know, they have to pay for the actual infrastructure and then advertisers pay them. Yeah. And also if you look at the ads on Twitter lately, it's like, it's all the like stupidest nonsense and it's like i feel like i haven't seen an ad from like a big company or like a bank in a long time so it's hard to imagine anyone's even like paying that like it it feels like the kind of ads you would like 
book on Fiverr or something. Like, right. I don't, I don't know how this company's making any money. Well, it's interesting because, like, I think you're absolutely right about the state of the ads on Twitter, but I've noticed it on other websites too. In particular, like Facebook, I'm getting a lot more ads for like uh-huh. independent writers who are self-publishing ads for their upcoming book about like I, I saw one that was literally called the fishy code and it was about a guy from the midwest who's like been a fishing instructor for 20 years and i was like (laughs) okay why why is this getting wrecked i don't even like fishing Uh, it's fine i suppose (laughs) but i don't like to do it uh (laughs) and i mean i got a chuckle out of it but it's like i it's it's interesting because i think a lot of advertisers pulled off of twitter and then they realized like twitter ads actually weren't making that big of a fucking difference in their sales revenue. Yeah. So the same advertisers are like, well, let's just pull off of Facebook and Instagram too. There's no fucking reason to be there anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, it's sort of like a general trend. Like anytime, you know, businesses or like mainstream economists are like, Hey, the economy is tight or the economy is in a downturn or whatever. Like the most obvious thing to cut spending on first is your advertising. Cause you're just like, well, we could spend less on this. And then, even if we make less sales or less profit, we can still save money. Because I've heard that about like all kinds of industries, like on on like podcasts that are supported by ads. I think just like the general rate for like putting an ad on your show is down. And I mean, that could be an economic thing. I feel like it's also just like a general like internet thing that like there's a lot of sort of like fake money that was thrown around on these websites and like a lot of lofty ideas that it was like, you know, these things will keep on growing. There'll be so many people on here. It's like we're getting in on the ground floor mm-hmm. of like a new media zone and we can like get so much advertising done there. And then the more it gets saturated and the more people kind of get disillusioned by it and like just leave or go to stuff like Discord or like, you know, forums and shit. It feels like there's less of a like there's less to be squeezed out by putting ads on those sites. So you see, I feel like you'll see like bigger companies just like leaving and not caring. Well, that's like why Elon is trying to turn Twitter slash fucking X slash whatever into the like everything app that he's always dreamed of. Because I think to his credit, he probably does in one way or another identify the problem that we're pointing at to, which is that like even before he took over Twitter and just like wrecked the entire online space for everybody, there was already like a trend in online advertising becoming less potent, uh, people kind of looking at it Mm -hmm. differently, especially in the wake of the election, all of the accusations of like, you know, Russian money and the Facebook ads and whatever. I don't really put a whole lot of stock in that compared to the domestic programs we have. It seems like a drop in the ocean. But um, it it, it mm-hmm. seems like that's the same kind of thing he was gearing towards. And of course, his solution to it is demented. He's like, what if Twitter was the bank and it ran on cryptocurrency and you had to subscribe <laughs> monthly to the bank to get mm-hmm. access to your money? And if you don't have $8, now you don't have $1,000. So it's like, <laughs> or, you know, it's a genius system if you're, a, if you're a psycho who wants to figure out a new way to do like economic slavery. But um, <laughs> I, I'm also reminded of the fact that he's one of the tech leaders, quote unquote, that was brought before the Senate like four or five days ago. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't watch any of the actual presentation because when I saw that Elon Musk was among the people they were interviewing, I was like, well, this I know exactly what's going to happen. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is also very funny because like when he took over Twitter, that was like one of the main things is he was like, yeah, I'm going to actually make all the bots go away. And then it's funny that he's like, like he, he's the kind of person who would never admit that he was wrong or like stupid or like didn't fully understand a problem or was lying, like whatever the case was. But it's very funny that now he's just like, yeah, actually everyone paying me a dollar per month is the only way for us to not have bots. But it's like, weren't you saying before that that's like the whole thing you're going to do is get rid of all the bots. Now you're saying it's impossible unless people give you money. <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting because like, you know, Elon has courted the Republicans in terms of ideology, but I feel like in terms mm-hmm. of modus operandi, he is staunchly a Democrat, which is that he mm. promises something, fails to deliver it, promises that he's working on it, but just needs some money, just needs some time, gets that, fails at it, and then just like rinses and repeats that forever. And like, you know, that's Damn. not... Yeah, that's that, true. That's not Donald Trump, you know, baby. That's Bill Clinton. That's a Bill Clinton. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna right say that's, that's Obama. Yeah. <laughs> Remember how Obama was gonna close Guantanamo for eight years and kept being like, 
oh, you know, uh, I actually lost the paperwork behind the, my couch. So uh, <laughs> next year, uh, I'll just wait till they ask me to refile and then I'll, uh, I won't renew it or something. We'll just let it, you know, let it die out naturally. Uh, yeah, maybe that's what like led Elon to have such a like, like weird cult of personality and like worship around him. Before I, I feel like that's lessened a lot. And now it's only like the real diehard freaks. But it's like for for Democrat type liberals, it was like, he had all these utopian promises of like how technology would save the world and we'd end climate change by going to Mars or whatever. Yeah. But then for like conservative, like, uh, you know, Republican people, it's like, he's very based and like Pepe pilled and red pilled and all that shit. So it's like, he was more underground. Like, I feel like he was more under the surface with that, like red pill based kind of stuff before. And so like the liberal people who were like, I want to go to Mars with Elon, like, didn't notice it and then it's like at a certain point it became too much for them but like the most psycho people are still like fully on board yeah it's interesting because you do see like tesla's in the wild for instance is kind of a fun anthropological case study because you'll see them and they'll have the rick and morty stickers and they'll have all the you know the stuff you would expect basically uh these days but then you'll also see them and they'll have like the peace frog or they'll have like coexist (laughs) okay or they'll have like, you know, crunchier, more liberal-ish kind of stuff. And then invariably when they have those things, they'll also have this little sticker in the corner that says, I bought this before we knew Elon was crazy. And like, <laughs> first off, one, no, you didn't because there was never a time. Two, <laughs> it's, it's, do you also just like take your Kanye albums and slap a big sticker on that? Like, I bought this before I knew he was anti-Semitic. Do you take your your Roman Polanski movies and you're just like, we bought this before we knew, you know, it's, it, it, yeah. you don't have to do all that shit. Like maybe the real, the real move is to stop having your identity be your car or the movies you watch or some <laughs> band or something. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. There's, I remember, uh, I don't know if you ever, did you ever watch uh, Matt Chrisman's like solo, like grill streams that he started during the pandemic? Uh, where you just kind of, of like yeah. ramble about politics and stuff. There's a really interesting, like insightful thing I remember him talking about for a while, which is that like the, the real like dividing line between like Democrats and Republicans in America is like Democrats are like, we should feel guilty and bad about stuff that's bad. And Republicans are like, no, fuck you. I don't want to feel bad. I don't want to feel guilty. And I feel like that kind of like putting a sticker on your car kind of thing is like the perfect example where it's not even like we should like, I should stop having this car. I should get rid of it because he's such a bad person. I should just like put on a sticker showing people that I feel guilty or that Mm -hmm. I feel like I fucked up and I'm apologizing or whatever. Like where ultimately like they're both kind of meaningless, like emotional responses is just like, man, everything's so bad. I should like figure out how it's my fault and feel bad about it. Or it's like, everything's bad. I should figure out who else to blame because it's definitely not my fault. It's someone else's fault. Yeah. So it's, it is that it's like when you see like a lifted truck with a giant American flag, like propped up in the, in the trailer or in the, in the back of it, whatever. And it's, it's got like, you know, God guns and tits and like (laughs) go back to your own country bumper stickers. Like that is literally the exact same brain as the guy driving mm-hmm. the Tesla with the coexist and the, we bought, I bought this before we knew Elon was crazy. Like those people have mm-hmm. the same exact brain disease. Yeah. I, I think that's like the kind of like it, uh, if there's like anything to take away from like 20th century, 21st century, you know, mainstream quote unquote politics in America is that it's like, it's basically just like voting for your favorite person on American Idol, where it's like mm-hmm. they have a certain vibe that you like and you do it to participate in the thing and be like, I'm taking a side. Like, <laughs> but it, it it's it, like you're just you're the same as everyone else who's like who is captured by it. Like you're influenced by the same things. You have the same way of thinking about things mm-hmm. like there's there's really no meaningful distinction between these two groups. Well, as long as we're talking about how American politics is just a bunch of ideological graft based on a bunch of uh, uh, lifestyle choices that you make so that you can vote on your phones for which representative you want, let's talk a little bit about Lauren Boebert. So she uh, she came under fire recently <laughs> for, for being escorted out of a theater because she had been vaping was the initial announcement. And then uh, it was later revealed mm-hmm. by the security Sweet. footage that she had placed her date's hand on her breast and had groped his pants 
uh, in the theater when there were a bunch of families <laughs> with like children around at, uh, let me just say, a performance of Beetlejuice, which is by far the weirdest <laughs> performance to do this at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, uh, remember, there's like a Simpsons joke where someone keeps saying something to Homer and he's like, that's good. And then he says something else and he's like, that's bad. That's good. <laughs> that's bad. I feel like there's a, there's a strong element of that in this story where it's like, Hey, Lauren Boebert was like smoking at a theater and it's like, that's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> it was to see the Beetlejuice musical. Oh, that's, that's weird. Why, who, why is there a Beetlejuice musical? It's like, and she was like making out with someone in public and it's like, that's fine. That's cool. And it's like, it was at the Beetlejuice musical. <laughs> that's a weird place to do it. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, this is definitely, this is by far the coolest thing I've ever heard about Lauren Boebert doing. I feel like all of her other stuff is like, I don't know. She seems like a Pepe Donald Trump kind of like mm-hmm. very boring, like 2016 type of conservative, like just being based and triggering the libs. Well, but, that's uh, like, that's, that's precisely, this is kind of awesome. <laughs> that's precisely where she came from because like, she was this, you know, her story is that she was like 16 years old working in a Burger King when she met her husband, who was 22 at the time. And like the whole thing is like her parents approved okay. of the relationship. They didn't violate any laws, blah, blah, blah. I don't really care about that necessarily. Um, but like she stayed married to her husband, Jason Bobert, for like 20 fucking years and then had four kids with him. Uh, her eldest had a kid, so she's a grandma now mm-hmm. at 36. Okay. And then she divorced her husband like a few months ago. And then this fucking like immediately happened. <laughs> like it, there was no time lost. This had to be like probably her th- third or fourth date after getting the divorce. Oh. oh, see, that makes this make so much more sense. And she, th- there was a really funny interview too, where like this guy comes up to her and he's like, so, so, you know, any comment on, on what happened? And her like response was that she needs to check party affiliation before she goes on dates with people. She's like, that guy was a <laughs> what? Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, wouldn't she be like leaving, leaving him in the dust if he was a Democrat? Why were they like making out? Did, yeah, does she and, think he like manipulated her? That's a funny response. Well, it's also funny to me because she knows she's probably not really actually going to catch that much heat from this in terms of like popularity. She rose to popularity basically by being like, the the stereotypical like hot conservative like you know uh weird horny older dudes idea of a hot lady mm-hmm. uh and she and her husband ran a, a restaurant in colorado called uh shooters i believe that okay. had that where the the wait staff was armed and all the food was gun themed <laughs> that's so um, stupid so very American Idol contestant reality TV show winner ass politician in the first place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is true. That it's like that's like Republicans. They're always looking for just like anyone young. But if it's like if to them it's like a, a smoke show, like hot and smart woman, they're like, see, we're not just old men. We got like we got smoke show ladies like Lauren Boebert too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't actually realize that she was like married f- since she was a teenager and like only recently got divorced because that makes this make so much more sense this is the behavior of someone who like barely like never really had like a young adult like 20 something like dating phase or was ever single as an adult so it's like you kind of revert back to being a teenager and are like let's go to the theater and like secretly smoke and make out like yeah that's the kind of thing that i'm sure teenagers all across america are doing every day and it's not Mm -hmm. news you know maybe they get yelled at by the usher or something but she's just like becoming a teenager again because that's the last time she was single yeah it's kind of fascinating because it's like you know especially i i don't want to talk too much shit i don't want to say everybody who gets married like right out of high school their brain is permanently frozen in time but i think if you are Mm -hmm. like an extremely conservative person and you marry someone four years your senior out of high school and then you stay married to them for two decades like yeah that's that's gonna scramble your neurons a little bit and i i Certainly. I, I think there's quite a bit of weight to the theory that she is basically just like, I'm 16 again. Yeah. <laughs> and this is like, a, I'm I'm trying things out. And like, that's horrible. I mean, like, I feel kind of bad for her, or at least I would if she, um, if she wasn't almost certainly trying to spin this up into like, no press is bad press. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like the most... Uh... 
I feel like it's the most human thing I've ever heard about her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't expect to go into this story and come out with a real sense of pity for that for that outspoken <laughs> piece of shit, Lauren Bober. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's the thing. No reason to feel bad about this. Uh, but it is funny that I feel like sometimes... Um, like this happened with Melania Trump too, where people would be like, can you believe that the first lady is a fucking slut who took naked <laughs> photos? And it's like, taking naked pictures is cool. Why don't you get mad yeah. at her for all of the like horrible politics that she has personally professed? Like, it's not like she just stayed silent while Trump was running for president. She was like, yeah, I think immigrants are bad. Like I'm racist. You know, it's, he's right to be so racist. Like mm-hmm. there's plenty of specific reasons of like things she has said and done to say Melania Trump is a bad person. But sometimes it feels like like hardcore like blue dog liberals have to find like you know they 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 reveal their like sexism or like chauvinism or whatever in being like, yeah, I knew Lauren Bobert was a dumb slut, and this only proves my point mm-hmm. it's t m z brain right like it's fucking yeah yeah it's 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 hardcore like t m z brain and it, you could see the same thing from both sides of the spectrum you know it's it's uh melania trump it's it's hunter Biden they're mad at him for smoking crack, arguably yeah, yeah. the least bad thing <laughs> Hunter Biden has ever done in his life, so it's like you know it, <laughs> It, it's it's all very misguided and it's it's easy to think like oh it's a deliberate like deflection from power but i think also like it it it, it is in some degree but it's also just easy to prey on the fact that like people like lascivious stuff people like stories about yeah. nudity and and groping and doing drugs and driving fast and you know whatever like that it that's why all that stuff is in action movies that sell for million that make millions of dollars (laughs) yeah yeah i think there's there's something about like being able to being able to like catch someone in wrongdoing that's very specific um maybe where it's like there's so many things where it's just like Joe Biden's economic plan is bad or his thing. He's not going to build the wall high enough or he's not going to do enough. He's not sending enough bullets to Ukraine. Like people sort of because all that stuff is so like abstract and also so like kept out of reach of like influence. It's like no average like citizen, even if you vote in every election actually can feel like they have a meaningful. It's not like any of us got to vote on if we went to war in Ukraine or like when we leave or when we left Afghanistan or whatever. It's all like very like abstracted and like not put into our control or our purview in any way so when it feels like we can actually people can actually be like ha i caught hunter biden doing something wrong i'm gonna send him to jail i'm gonna look over all these dick pics and find out if he did anything illegal in them or whatever like i think people's sort of like lizard brain really grabs on to something that can feel super like specific and Mm -hmm. like concrete and just be like no 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 that's wrong you're not allowed to do that and now i can be right and i can be finding justice or something yeah, it's also kind of funny because I think there's a distinction to be made that like plenty of people comment on, but still kind of gets lost in the mix in some cases, which is that like a lot of things that are perfectly regular human activities just shouldn't be done around children. And mm-hmm. that's like the funny bit of this to me is it's like, you know, for a country and especially with like Bobert's wing of the GOP, like a group of people that are so obsessed with the harms of the societies inflicting on our children, yeah, yeah. the trans people and the movies I don't like and the this and the that. It's like they really don't seem to give a shit to to try to actually distance any thing that's inappropriate from children like they're more than happy like if you want to fucking get felt up in a theater there's plenty of perfectly legitimate theaters to go do that mm-hmm. in. it's it's a great american pastime <laughs> don't have a problem with it yeah. but like beetlejuice is gonna have like six to 14 year olds heavily in the audience yeah. like there's gonna be quite a few of them <laughs> and <laughs> i don't mean to be like the local school marm i certainly am not but like they don't need to be seeing that shit i don't think <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure so you know whatever it, it it's it's just a silly thing but um as long as we're talking about this, somebody who we haven't heard from in a little while decided to drop in and give us comment and that's nate silver uh, we all love to get Nate Silver's dog shit opinions on things from time yeah. to time. And he he tweeted, starting a new political party for people who don't give a shit either about how John Fetterman dresses or what Lauren Boebert does in a theater, which is on its face a stupid thing to tweet. But then yeah. John Fetterman quote tweeted it and said, I dress like you predict, <laughs> which one is n- not a slam dunk. Like it, it, it kind of loosely makes sense. 
And yeah. two, everybody's given him a lot of credit for dunking on Nate Silver when I literally dunk on Nate Silver eight times a day before I make breakfast. <laughs> yeah, and it's also like, because I, I, I saw this, that there was like, I guess the Senate really recently relaxed its dress code and there's a picture of Fetterman like rolling in wearing a big like hoodie, looked like a Carhartt, mm-hmm. like black hoodie or something. And like just, you know, his big bald head walking in. And I feel like that's a fine way to dress. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. Just like wearing a nice comfy hoodie if mm-hmm. it's chilly outside. Um, so it's weird that for John Fetterman to be like, yeah, well, I dress like shit, just like you predict, idiot. <laughs> like, it's rude when people are like dissing themselves to diss someone else. Yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of weird. I mean, I like the self-awareness from Fetterman, but also like Fetterman's whole deal has always kind of irked me because I feel like, you know, let's say I was a senator or a congressperson or whatever. I would want to be the guy who's like wearing a fucking hoodie and like walks in and like has a band t-shirt on or whatever under it. Like, I think that's a normal thing mm-hmm. to want and a normal thing to want to see in your representatives. But I I don't like it from Fetterman because I feel like for Fetterman, it's an act. It's like a carefully curated persona, the same way we get from Lauren Boebert or AOC or any elected representative who's young enough to kind of understand social media brain to a certain degree. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, I don't really think there's like, like the only politician who I actually like believe that they're like not trying to put on some kind of persona is bernie basically like maybe there's others that are like that but it's like i kind of like bernie is like well i wear a suit and tie because like i'm an old man and you're supposed to wear a suit if you're a senator uh wasn't that whole thing where he like shopped at kohl's it's just like i buy Mm -hmm. the cheapest suit i can i want to get a good bargain he's just a regular guy who's like been trying to like change shit in the senate for a long time and like i think ultimately trying to be in the senate and like change the system is uh unfortunately kind of a fool's errand and i feel like he's we've sort of seen that it's like you know he's run for president he's tried to do stuff in the system they just don't really let him like you're not allowed to fundamentally change things from inside the system yeah so it's interesting because i think um i I think john fetterman is going to be getting a lot more pr in the coming years especially once this election winds down they're going to the democrats Mm -hmm. are going to be really trying to put him front and center because he has those elements of bernie like he's obviously cribbed a lot of notes from bernie but he's just not like fetterman is just not a genuine crotchety old man who really wants to see change he's like a little bit too much of a game player he likes the political system he likes the democrats they've treated him very well like bernie got to where he's at by clawing tooth and nail and getting stepped on along the way and never giving up and being the most resilient like fucking you know, soldier ass, like of just like, I literally am too stubborn and I will never die and you can never get rid of me. Mm -hmm. And whereas Fetterman, I mean, like he's had a few big upswings in the party. The Democrats have gone to bat for him a few times and making him Lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania was a really, really fucking big move. I mean, just putting him on the ticket really was a really big move. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely true. I mean, cause Bernie is never actually like, run as a Democrat, right? Like he's in the Senate as an independent technically. Mm-hmm. And when he ran for mayor of, was it Burlington, Vermont? Mm-hmm. He was like an independent. Um, he like votes with the Democrats. And like, I guess when he ran for president, he was running for the Democratic nomination. And that was the only time he's like actually fully like been in the party or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, from his position, I I don't see it making any sense any other way. He always has mm-hmm. tried to kind of be like, I'm not in the Democrats, but I could maybe fix them. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, yeah, that's just wrong. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, as long as we're talking about stuff that's just wrong. Um, let's talk about a couple of articles that have come out recently and we don't need to read the whole thing. But these are two um, little blurbs that got posted to Twitter where interviewers had the really stupid idea to ask Sean Penn of his opinion on things. So (laughs) the first one says, Sean Penn says, quote, so you want my scans and voice data and all that, referring to Hollywood wanting, you know, actors likenesses and such. And he says, here's what I think is fair. I want your daughters because I want to create a virtual replica of her and invite my friends over to do whatever we want in a virtual party right now. (laughs) Not great. (laughs) Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of thing you're like, shit, grandpa's sundowning. Let's uh let's get him home. 
Yeah. Um, and then the other one is just a headline, and it says, Sean Penn says Will Smith's Oscars slap made him want his own award trophies melted down to bullets for Ukraine. <laughs> mm. That is, that was re- that's a really weird one because it's like as uh as like rapey grandpa as the first one is it's like I get what point he thinks he's making uh, mm-hmm. this one is just like because Will Smith slapped someone I think we should instead of getting these stupid awards use them as bullets to kill people <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. why is his response to like very mild violence like how about we use this for murder instead (laughs) it is funny too to be like such a fucking dumb guy that you're ready to publicly admit like yeah when will smith slapped chris rock that was when i realized that awards were stupid it's like holy shit dude it's 2023 (laughs) you're like 60 whatever years long (laughs) yeah and also like to think that like melting down a bunch of trophies is gonna make however many bullets or like usable bullets like do you even understand like how a bullet is like works and what it is how it works what it does (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're not just like let me find some scrap metal and then melt it down and then turn it into a turn into a bullet like i think they take specific metal and use that yeah and it's funny too uh the fucking Oscar slap was like, how long ago was that? I had to check the date on the, cl- on the quote from Sean Penn. Cause it's from September 13th, mm-hmm. 2023. And I'm like, that Oscar slap happened months ago, right? Like, like it feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, has it been a year? Like, ha- was there another Oscars after the slap or those are the most recent Oscars? Okay. No, it was March like 27, year, right? 2022. So it's over a year ago. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why he's even like thinking about that right now. You know what Ukraine reminds me of? When Will Smith hit Chris Rock in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and him commenting on the, uh, like, the AI, like, wanting to replace writers thing is is funny because it's, like, that's definitely, like, a, a sort of, like, dumb guy comment I've seen is, like, you'll see all kinds of articles where it's, like, here's, like, the cast of uh, Parks and Rec on the picket line or here's, like, X famous actor or Y famous actor and you'll see a sort of like dumb response where people are like, oh, why are we hearing about these people? Why don't I hear about like your average like working, like, you know, no name actor who's like mm-hmm. really hurting from the strike or whatever. And it's like, well, it's because these are the famous ones. So that's who people will read an article about. It's like if they just found a guy who was like a background actor on Law and Order and no one even knows his name, mm-hmm. no one re- would read an article about it. Um, but I feel like in those situations, it's like, the famous actors are just like saying very good and correct things. You know, they're like out there in solidarity with their union and are like, everyone deserves to like make a living. And like, they could just stay home. They're like, if they're mm-hmm. rich enough, they don't have to care that how much money they make from the studios or like oh, yeah. the, how long the strike goes on. Like fucking Sean Astin has that fucking Lord of the Rings money. Like Sean Astin doesn't have to hurt for anything. My man was fucking, was fucking Sam. He literally like was one of the mm-hmm. secondary, like arguably the secondary character in the fucking Lord of the Rings. He's got money. He's on the negotiating committee. And every time he comes mm-hmm. out yeah. and he speaks in front of a crowd, he's like, we're working for like the least paid actors. We're working for people who spend a lot of time between gigs. We're working for all of these fucking things. So it's kind of funny when people are like, oh, why aren't we hearing from like some nobody D-list actor who's in a soup commercial and nothing else? It's like, well, if you're really that interested in people who are no names going out and fighting for their fucking workplaces, then why aren't you keeping up on, you know, name five striking UAW workers name five striking nurses <laughs> name five striking teachers name five striking agricultural workers like it should be easy for yeah, you yeah. it should be easy <laughs> yeah there's many of them but yeah in, in those examples like your sean astin's your you know brian cranston i remember said some really cool stuff like they're saying stuff that is good and in support of the union and that people should peer like i feel like this kind of sean penn quote is the kind of thing you should go Hmm, I'm going to not publish that because that's like fucking stupid mm-hmm. and no one should, uh, which is like, there's no publication in the universe that can actually like function that way. So I'm realizing that would be kind of silly, but like no one needs to hear this. That's stupid. Like, just keep it to yourself. Yeah. It's just like, it kind of works like this, helpful. like with, with the likenesses thing, like he's kind of baseline correct that it's not good to steal actors likenesses, but his entire line of reasoning is just like the most awful shit you've heard in your entire life. And that's why I have to say like, Mm -hmm. you know, journalists, you simply do not have to ask Sean Penn for comment. 
you can pretend like he was never in mm-hmm. any film or movies and that he does not exist. <laughs> uh, but as long as we're talking about really dumb people and their really bad opinions, uh, the fucking Dilbert guy, Scott Adams, made a post recently. And I haven't like checked up on his timeline. I haven't checked a bunch of the different things that he's been saying. But he did tweet on September 16th, I can't give you details, but this is a good time to tell you I am not considering suicide. Hashtag <laughs> hunted. <laughs> Yeah, that is a that's an incredible thing to post because it's like, my dude, I promise they have more important people to suicide than like the guy who got fired from putting Dilbert in newspapers because he was way too racist. <laughs> After like a lifetime of, I think, being relatively racist, like you could be like ambiently too kind of racist in America and get by just fine, like depending on what uh, career you're in. He mm-hmm. just became so racist that newspapers were like, this is too much, even for us. Well, it's weird, too, because, like, you can be a racist cartoonist. There are plenty of them. Like, Stone Toss mm-hmm. is, like, a famous one. And um, I think Stone Toss is, like, a... It's actually a rebrand from another cartoon that was exactly the same that got canceled for being too racist, even though it was a webcomic. And he just literally made the same comic again with a different name. <laughs> and it's, it's successful again now. So it's like, you know... Scott Adams just being pretty unimaginative here, but people are asking him, like, are you considering private security? And then he says, they don't protect people from their own government. Uh, and then somebody <laughs> says something fairly funny. They're like, the, I promise you the only time anyone in government is thinking about the creator of Dilbert is when they're cleaning out their desk and bin an old strip that's been sitting at the bottom of a drawer since 1995. <laughs> and then Scott Adams says, that's what I need you to think carry on so i'm looking forward to you know a couple of weeks from now when the uh, dilbert creator found mysteriously dead at the bottom of grand canyon or (laughs) dilbert creator's corpse surfaces in rapidly draining lake mead dilbert creator's corpse found on outskirts of fort liberty uh nay fort Bragg. (laughs) yeah man that uh if he does end up dying i'll be like yeah shit maybe it wasn't suicide i don't know that that seems plausible uh so i'll look into that if i'm ever bored It'd be funny if he finally got us all to, like, believe him by dying. That would be, like, truly elegant. Like, I I, I almost wouldn't even be mad that Scott Adams actually was onto something for once in his dumb fucking life. Mm -hmm. I would be intrigued by the mystery of it all. (laughs) Yeah, I would be the most impressed I've been since I was, like, 13 and thought, like, Cat Burt was really funny or something. (laughs) Also, have you ever clicked uh, his YouTube link from his, uh, his profile? No, his his YouTube channel was called Real Real Coffee with Scott Adams, and I was just reading the the channel description. It says Scott Adams, famous for creating Dilbert, is a trained hypnotist and is widely recognized as an expert on persuasion. Adams has emerged as one of the most influential observers of politics in the United States. His best selling book Win Bigly teaches persuasion, and his best selling book How to Lose Almost Every Time and Still Win Big is widely considered the best book ever written on developing systems for success. His most recent book is Loser Think, which teaches you how to avoid it. If you enjoy learning how to be more effective in life while catching up with the interesting news, catching up with the interesting news, that doesn't make sense. This is a channel for you. And every video is like the same angle of Scott Adams in his kitchen, sometimes with a whiteboard, like drawing charts and shit. Just like kind of a vlog type scenario. Oh, a couple of them are different parts of his house. But it's just him like filming himself. It looks like drinking coffee mostly in his house. Uh And that's it. It's like hundreds of videos. <laughs> yeah, and like <laughs> streamed five hours ago, streamed one day ago, streamed two days ago. This goes on for quite a while. He streams every single day for around an hour. And like, I'm sorry, I'm still reeling. Trained hypnotist? What the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah, that was. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> That's what you're leading with? You're a trained hypnotist? I, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? And also like famous for creating Dilbert. I'm sorry. You're not famous for creating Dilbert. You are a professional cartoonist. Like, credit where credit's due. You made a comic strip, and you got paid for it, and it was famous for many years. Mm -hmm. So this trained hypnotist shit is weird. And, like, widely considered to be a master in persuasion? That's that's so fucking odd. Like, it seems like he's trying to do, like, a pickup artist slash, like, street con man style stuff but for politics like when he says he's not considering suicide does he think he's reverse psychologying us all into believing he's super important yeah (laughs) does he think this is working yeah maybe that is like that's actually the goal it's like a little like persuasion like neg where people are like not considering suicide okay yeah i mean (laughs) i i know scott adams is always front and center and like you know 
political intrigue and he's always like cracking he is always on the case so maybe like they're they are gonna kill him for all of his truth telling and whatever yeah i don't know (laughs) (laughs) reframe your brain available now is this another book how many fucking books has this guy written yeah Uh, august 16th 2023 he's got a lot of books going jesus christ yeah it's funny because i remember like even back when like dilbert like 10 20 years ago when i was a kid like he had there was like uh he had some kind of like little like like newsletter like society thing you could join like he's been on this kind of grift i think for a long time and i feel like for him like making a comic strip about like the workplace is just like another version of like in hindsight just another version of that kind of grift just be like let me uh let me show you something smart and uh and clever and then also while you're here like buy my newsletter or like buy my course or whatever <laughs> That's funny. So you think he's like a failed kind of like cult leader seminar, Silicon Valley slash L.A. style, like, hey, you know, the folding table with a big banner in front of it, like learn how to manipulate your brain so you can be as smart as the Dilbert guy. (laughs) (laughs) I think kind of. Yeah, I think it's like the comic strip just like happened to really hit at a time period when like very anodyne observations about modern life were like still in vogue and people were like wow it it do be like that when my stapler doesn't work and my boss is a jerk <laughs> and i want to go home or whatever he's like the forerunner to those like weird alien comics where they like come down to earth and do a totally normal thing but they just painstakingly describe it for some reason yeah yeah <laughs> yeah totally well as long as we're painstakingly describing stuff um I did just want to check in on Armenia and Azerbaijan, which we talked about briefly on the bonus episode. Mm. And we do have another war update. It's a post from Megatron, who is rapidly becoming my primary source on this, and just says that Azerbaijan is launching anti-terrorist activities in Nagorno-Karabakh. According to the defense ministry, the ministry says they have informed the command of the Russian peacekeepers and the leadership of the monitoring center about ongoing events. And um, Russia is in contact with Azerbaijan in light of Baku's anti-terrorist operations in Karabakh. So it just seems like Azerbaijan is tightening up with Russia over this and Armenia is tightening up with the U.S. over this. So we have our next proxy mm-hmm. war. It's, it's all been handed to us pretty neatly. <laughs> I think the West African situation kind of got out of hand and like there was a little bit more like uh, native resistance from the actual like African political parties and political movements that were happening there. Uh, And so they decided, well, Mm -hmm. uh, if that's not going to work, then we're going to do that little strip of land between Europe and the Middle East. Yeah, it just like, like you said, it seems like. uh, Like, we're always very, like, eager to be able to, like, take sides if it's against uh, a quote unquote enemy like Russia and Mm -hmm. just like have another like angle of of proxy war. I feel like it's always something that the U.S. is like hunting for. Like mm-hmm. if we're on the lookout for anything, it's like a way to uh, insert ourselves into a conflict for some kind of like perceived benefit or gain or probably to drum up a conflict as well. I wouldn't surprise me if like we find out in the future that like U.S. influence was like heavily involved in like whatever, you know, in, mm-hmm. on either side of this. Well, I really think that's true because I think like the United States... And the whole 2014 Euromaidan thing in Ukraine really was a coordinated Mm -hmm. attempt to force Putin into thinking that he had to start this war. Now, whether or not that was actually true or like what kind of back channel information he was receiving that that convinced him of this, I do not fucking know. But I, I certainly believe that the United States was was extremely giddy. When that when that invasion started, just because, um, you know, we've been trying to provoke China, for instance, into launching some kind of like military campaign in the South China Sea or against some of our bases mm-hmm. in Taiwan or, or near Taiwan or in, in other places uh, around East Asia, like South Korea and Japan. And China has just like remained absolutely stalwart that they do not want military conflict full stop. Like that has been their, their mm-hmm. message and their activity like for so fucking long by this point that I feel like the United States was just like, well, if we can't get them to do it, we'll get Russia to do it, which is going to put China in a little bit of a weird spot. And that fucking worked. You know, China has been trying to get Russia to come mm-hmm. to a peaceful end to this conflict like since it started. Um, and they've also been trying to get the U.S. to do it. But I think they have significantly uh, less leverage over what the U.S. says and does. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, that is a good point. China is like 
very much like has adults in the room kind of vibes and is like not interested. Like the US has been like, remember we talked about that like earlier this year, I think, about how they were like, the US was trying to like, there's like setting up missiles on like some kind of island like chain that's like really close to the South China Sea mm-hmm. that was like a country that is like basically a proxy state. I forget where it was. Um, but yeah, we're like, we're really trying to provoke them and like poke them and prod them about it and get them to like build up to some kind of conflict. And they just seem so uninterested in it and like specifically focused on like all their own like development and shit. And China definitely has like a very strong military. Um, but oh, like, yeah. they're not trying to actually use it for anything other than like self self defense. Like they just, I, I think they just want to have like a really potent standing army and like tell the whole world that like no one can fuck with them but Mm -hmm. also like they're not going to fuck with anyone else without a really good reason yeah i mean it's basically the same thing as like what the dprk does it's just arranged differently because china does actually have the population and the economy and the land mass and 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 the resources to pose a a threat to the united states like on a very Uh, I wouldn't say like a threat to the United States directly, but like a threat to the United States ambitions Mm -hmm. in in a very one-to-one military kind of sense. Yeah, like uh, a threat in the sense that like we couldn't just like roll in and tell them to do whatever we wanted or Mm -hmm. like offer military aid and use that as a pretext for telling them what to do or whatever. Like, yeah, just a, a threat to our total hegemony. Absolutely. Well, as long as we're talking about all of the shit uh, that um, is born out of American hegemony, I would did just before we go, I wanted to comment on Tim Ballard, who is okay. the subject of the sleeper hit movie Sound of Freedom that was produced, the ultra right wing, quote unquote, MAGA friendly, whatever the mm-hmm. way it was marketed, kind of film about saving uh, children who were sex trafficked. And this guy, Tim Ballard, the movie is is based on the work that he did. Uh, and it's been rumored that he was preparing for a Senate run. He's kind of become like an American folk hero after the movie. Um, except that it's now been revealed that he was sexually harassing his coworkers while doing that undercover work to supposedly save those children. And so reports have come out that he would get female co-workers to pose as his wife in order to quote unquote infiltrate um, these these trafficking rings mm-hmm. and then he would send them photos of him in his underwear <laughs> with a bunch of fake tattoos and he would also say things like I need you to shower with me so that the traffickers <laughs> will actually be deceived or we need to like make out in public um, and it, it, it's giving oh, me very God. like maybe this guy read Scott Adams book on manipulation but it's giving me very <laughs> pickup artist e kind of vibes so wait, he's saying, okay, so he's, they're supposed to be undercover as his wife while he's like traveling to foreign countries to mm-hmm. catch sex traffickers. And his argument is that, that yeah, this is, Vice article says about showering or sharing a bed, claiming it was necessary to fool traffickers. There are a lot of people who are married and don't shower together. Mm-hmm. People have many, ki- multiple kids together, have been married for a long time, in a relationship a long time. It's not like everybody takes a shower together all the time especially if you're traveling it's like it's not like i'm like oh yeah let's share this shitty hotel shower and get even right. less water pressure than we're getting anyway well, it's, it's like it's, a really funny like yeah they're actually not going to believe we're married uh i would always be showering with my wife everywhere i went so you better hop in it's like he watched one of those like <laughs> so spy funny. movies where the, you know a male and a female agent are out doing a mission and like the bad guy spots them and she's just like quick kiss me so he doesn't see our faces and uh, <laughs> and then ballard yeah. was just like oh i have a really fucking good idea for how i can you know uh basically be an enormous fucking creep the other interesting mm-hmm. angle to this is that apparently he was a mormon and his current okay. status as a Mormon is unclear, but the the Church of Latter-day Saints has come out and made a statement about him using the name of another man whose name is also Ballard, um, but is unrelated. So yeah, President M. Russell Ballard, who is a church elder of, of the Latter-day Saints Church uh, and the church themselves, have accused Tim Ballard of using Russell Ballard's name for personal advantage and activity regarded as morally unacceptable. So we, we have like weird pickup artist activity. We have the weird, like 
cult of like fixation with saving children from child sex trafficking. And it's all happening Mm -hmm. under the umbrella of the most wildly successful cult slash new world religion in the United States. Kind (laughs) of interesting. (laughs) Yeah, that is very, uh, very fascinating. Yeah. Also just like the, the name of this, uh, nonprofit operation underground railroad is, uh, yeah, it's pretty wild to be like, yeah, it's, that's a that's a crazy name and a cra- it's like it's a really crazy comparison to draw to be like yeah what we're doing is actually like when uh, a bunch of people were being freed from chattel slavery in the United States that's actually what we're doing yeah imagine like some doughy Mormon dude coming up to you at the team meeting and being like yeah I'm basically Harriet Tubman for child traffic <laughs> children uh, you have to get in the shower with me or the Somali traffickers won't believe that you're really my wife <laughs> or whatever like it's it's high level it's high level skeezy shit it's like call leader ass yeah. shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah it uh, yeah it's one of those things where it's like it's you feel bad for the person like being manipulated and like sexually harassed, but it's also like so funny and it feels like a, like a bit that somebody made up of like, yeah, yeah, you're going to have to actually shower with me or they're not going to believe it. And like, it, it makes you wonder like, were some of like, were some of these people, these women were like, you know, that's a good point. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And then it's just like some of the ones who were like, that doesn't seem normal are mm-hmm. the ones who actually started accusing him of harassment and like calling him out. Because um, that feels like the kind of thing, like especially if you're in some kind of like culty organization, mm-hmm. that you'd sort of be like, you're already being, you're already like like susceptible to like emotional manipulation if you believe in this like nonsense like mission anyway. So it's like it feels like a great way to like pick victims too, which I guess is mm-hmm. like the one of the reasons cults are so perennially popular. It's a great way for abusers to like draw in like drawing victims yeah that is usually what it amounts to once in a while you get the ones where it like literally is just money and they just want a lot of money but those Mm -hmm. seem to be much more rare money's cool too hey you know i have a lot more respect for that like if if you're gonna if you're gonna emotionally and psychologically manipulate an extremely large number of people at least have the decency to take their money without sexually assaulting them I approve of that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not I, afraid to say it. <laughs> yeah. I guess the thing is, is like, if you want to do that just for the money, you can just like work in advertising or That's work true. in public relations or something. There's a, a lot job. of avenues to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. You just get, you get one of those fake jobs. You just sell cars or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm off to, to purchase Scott Adams book about how to control the minds of men. Uh, so thank you so much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, make sure to bestow all of your gifts directly upon me. I will be receiving them at my compound in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. But this has been your BP for the week. If you want more episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Lettuce. If you want to hear our other shows, I have one called Work Stoppage. Bryn has one called Generation Loss. Todd has a shop called Doomer.shop. And as always, we love you. Stay high. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah.